We're on another episode of Ubuntu Radio, and I'm speaking to a father and a son and a husband and a recent uh, high school graduate about to go to college, specifically HBCU, correct? So we're here with uh, D, Mr. Dennis Barnes, and his son. Introduce yourself, please. I'm Max, uh, 17, going to Hampton. <laughs> so we're here with Dennis and Max, and um, we're going to talk about a, a couple of things. Talk about where Max is in his life right now. A young man about to transition to college and to get his basically his, his life started, his adult life started, because that's what I remember about college. So we're going to talk to the father, talk to the son. We're going to leave the Holy Ghost out of it, and we're going to keep on. We're going to keep on. We're going to keep on moving. I'll start with I'll start with the dad. We have to honor the we have to honor the father first. So start with the dad. Dennis, what do you want the folks to to know about your son and where he's at at this point in his life right now? Um, well, Max is a um, I think he's a typical teenage you know boy. He comes from a good family. You know, college educated mother, college educated father. He's probably not the norm regardless of race. But you know, for, for our community, he's probably relatively rare. But having said that though, he, he's a good kid with a good head on his shoulders. And, and my wish for him is for him to really truly understand the power of his intellect. Because I don't think, I don't think he's convinced on that yet. I think he's starting to scratch the surface, but I think that once he recognized just how talented he is, I think the sky's going to be the limit. It's going to be really fun to watch. What's your response to that, Max? Is it something you've heard before from your dad about your talent? Is it something that you're scratching or you're aware, maybe more than he thinks, about what you can do in the next couple of years? Uh, it, it's something that I've I've started to think about more. But all through like first through eighth grade, I was always like a star student. But it, it was just it was just easy to me. I didn't really have to try that hard. Like not to not to brag, but like I would make. We had a thing called principal's list where if you had straight A's, you would get like invited to this little brunch with your parents. I'm pretty sure like all my years when I was at my middle school, my mom came to every single principal's breakfast there was. She missed like maybe one or two. So like it wasn't that hard. Then once I got into high school, I went to a private school when I first started. Very different, did not succeed. And I just kind of like killed my self-esteem a little bit. And I was always kind of harder to transition to having to really try in school. Okay. And I just, it wasn't until, honestly, when I went to my five week summer program that I really saw what I could do academically. And when was that? That was recent or that was junior year? I just year? got back. You just uh, got back? A month ago. Where was it? At Hampton University. Then that's where you're headed? Yeah. What was the decision-making process for you to go, okay, Hampton, H was it an HBCU thing? Was it just the best fit for you? Because that would not be the norm, I think, these days. Uh, well, when we, we used to live in New Jersey, and there it was kind of diverse to where, like, I wasn't always the only black kid in my class. There would be, like, a few others, and it was generally 
a pretty a sizable black population in the school in general. Mm -hmm. But then once we moved to Massachusetts, I could count the amount of black kids in my grade on my first hand. So, and it was just very shocking. I, I've learned to cope with it and, you know, make do where I can and fit in. But we went to a program for, like a young diplomats program for okay. a week or so. And it was just so much better being around everybody who looked like me, everybody who was, because I always thought my, my likes and interests were different because I was surrounded by white people right. all the time. But then once I got the hands, it's like, oh no, I'm not weird. I'm just black. Right. This, this is just what this is just what black kids like. And I'm not, I didn't feel so alienated. And I had looked at other HBCUs. I had talked to a guy at Morehouse. I had considered Howard. But once I went to Hampton and visited, I was like, this is where I'm gonna go. I didn't, I didn't apply anywhere else. I didn't do anything. I got an acceptance letter early. At what point was the decision made? Sophomore year, junior year? Uh, high school entering into senior year because when I got back from another program which is about and it's funny that we're talking about Virginia um, Hampton Virginia because we are gonna get to look man we're gonna get to Charlottesville is that time and part of Ubuntu is chronicling history and just nefarious and otherworldly type history was made by our quote-unquote president this week in terms of what happened in Charlottesville Virginia which I'm trying to figure out how far is that from where you're gonna be um, but it's still in the same state, still the same belief system, still the same, out of some same sort of people. So we're gonna we're gonna get to that. But one of the things you mentioned was kind of, and I see it. I grew up playing soccer. I grew up playing soccer in this country, and it was the same sort of a, the same sort of setup where you're the only brother on the team. Yeah, I played lacrosse, which is an all-white sport pretty much, and I've never I've never had a black teammate on my team. So what was that like being being the only chocolate drop of milk? Good morning. What is that experience like? Because I can, I kind of relate to that. But I, again, I don't, I don't know a bunch of other soccer guys until I came to college, where we looked at each other and went, "Yeah, we were all that same dude on the soccer team growing up." I liked it just I like playing the sport and a general sense of camaraderie. Because like, okay, we're all on the same team. We're all trying to win. We're all trying to get better. You know, it doesn't really matter at, at this point. We're all just guys playing lacrosse. But like, once you, once you get out of that uh, athletic state, you're just like, oh, who wants to hang out? It's like, I don't. It's just weird. Cause they just do and act differently and they like different things like we don't besides the cross we have nothing else in common really just we both like playing the cross so let's just keep it lacrosse. this is a business relationship looking back on it pretty much i there's nobody on my team who i would call up now and just have a conversation friends so to speak yeah it's just kind of like hey what's up or like you know game day and we all dress up it's like oh what's up like we're all you know, we'll dab each other up so is that experience you think indicative of what sort of the largest society is, that we really don't connect. Kind of people came together, did their thing, won, lost, and then everybody went their own way. Is that what you think sort of life is like? College, post-college, or it's different? I think that's what life can be for some people where if you're doing if you're not doing something that's like generally like an interest or like a hobby type of job like journalism like if you're doing journalism 
you do a type of journalism that you're interested in. So therefore, people that are around you have similar interests, so therefore you connect on a different level, and it's not just work. But if you're like an accountant, nobody really likes accounting. Hey, hey, was, oh, goodness. <laughs> you know somebody was, was accounting a possible career for you? <laughs> you know I'm a certain uh, CPA. I, I know, but like, but like... Did, did but, you know that? But the, I did, but do you wake up in the morning, man, I can't wait to crunch some numbers. Like, I, I, I get, you get jazzed up about seeing the numbers. Well, the numbers. I mean, you, you, yeah. you got a room and a, yeah. and a, and a free house and, a, you know, accounting is doing some stuff for you. Yeah. Right, but it's not like something you look like you... I enjoy what I do. It's not like a hobby is what I'm trying to say, Journalism, or or maybe it is. I don't know. I've never really liked. And again, it. this is the, this is the point. This is yeah. one of the things I wanted to get at was this perspective, because I mean you've been doing it for so long. He, the point is he wouldn't have been sticking doing it if he didn't well, enjoy it in some sense. So when you come home and from time to time, you know, while mommy's watching television, I'm doing Sudoku. While while that's not itself accounting. But that's like numbers and math. Numbers, math, logic, which is all accounting is. Numbers, math, and logic. I do it for fun. I, I actually do enjoy it. I do get excited about it. And it is kind of exhilarating when you like well, you wouldn't tell the way you the way you used to get mad. Like, you wouldn't be able to tell you like it, by the way. Sometimes you get well, mad how? Mad at what? At like the job or at when we were when we were in New Jersey, I think it was the KPMG and Navigant. Some days you would just come home mad. <laughs> but like not at anybody, you'd just be mad in general. Well, what I would say about that is there is the job, and then there's all the ancillary things that, that go with the job, like the social aspect of it. And what you were seeing was my response to the social aspects of it. The job itself is, is, is terrific. I love what I do. I don't always love who I do it for, which is a different issue, which kind of speaks to the question of what happens when, when, when you're in an environment where you know people don't have you know, similar thoughts or, or interests, experiences, things that you can bond over such that it becomes more than just a business transaction. And so, yeah, I would say 90% of the time for me, you know, I, I don't go to, I don't go to work looking for friends. I'm not there for that. And that's just, that's just a personal philosophy. From the beginning? From yeah, the from beginning the of your working life? Yeah. I don't go to work looking for friends. I'm not there for that. I don't care what you think because my, my guess is you don't care what I think. So let's not go down that path. Let's let's come here. Let's do the job when it's when it's over. There are people back home who love me. That's who I want to be with. I don't want to be with people who could care less about me. Um, so you know, work is work, and my personal life is my personal life. And generally, I don't I don't mix the two. Never sweet out. 
My shooters come for free, so if one more label try to stop me, it's gonna be some dread niggas in your lobby. Now, at Hampton, you said this would be the first experience in your life where you're around people who kind of look like you, and the thought is folks that have the same or similar experience and the same thought patterns as you because it's going to be a predominantly black institution. Now, if in the other life, and if the life that your dad's describing is just, okay, I'm here, we're doing this, then I'm going to go home, and my family is home, and that's where my love and my heart goes. But this is the first time you're going to be around folks that are kind of like you, and the expectation is that they're going to be like you. So do you think you're going to engage with those people on a deeper level quicker? Because that's what I'm hearing is that that's one of the reasons you, you chose Hampton, because you're expecting that sort of deeper engagement with other brothers and sisters who are going to be on campus studying and trying to build a life together. Do you expect to kind of go deeper with them than you would at your high school? I met my roommate last summer when we both went to the same program. He'd been going there for years, but that's when I met him, and we've kept in touch and talked. And like, it's like we're, it's like we grew up together almost. Like, there aren't many things I wouldn't do for him that I wouldn't do for my little brother. I'm just that close to him, and he's. It's, it goes the same for me, like me with him. We're just so close and so similar that it's just like we're basically we're almost blood at this point to where i've met his family he's met mine and he's welcome here all the time i'm welcome there all the time and i never had that really anywhere else in my life to where like i know i am welcome there like i can go to his dad mr reggie and say you know i ask i could ask him for almost anything i could ask him for advice talk to him do anything that i would do with my own dad if it ever got to where i'm not feeling right or just something something is wrong i could treat his family like they're mine. Your, your dad's mentioned, um, obviously, how proud he is of you at this particular point in your life, and his sort of expectations are probably high because he knows the possibilities in you. Do you, as a 17-year-old getting ready to matriculate into college, sort of recognize the fortunes that you've had, having two college-educated parents, that sort of thing? Do you ever reflect on that? We never talk about the kids who have the two college-educated parents where this was the expectation from jump. Like, there was no other one. Put race aside for a second, just from a population. I think less than half of the children in the United States mm -hmm. today had two college-educated parents. So from the door, by definition, it's an anomaly. So when you when you overlay either socioeconomics and or race or, or carve it out to the Northeast, mm -hmm. which is where we're from, it's probably even more rare or, you know, limited to the, the city of Philadelphia, which is where me and my wife are from, where the high school graduation rate right now is less than 50%. And that's what I wanted to get at with you. Are you at that point where you see that you, right now, getting ready to go to Hampton, two college-educated parents, basically everything your dad said, are you at a point where pretty cool and that's pretty fortunate? I mean, look, looking back on the people who I've met and who I've been friends with, it's a lot of little eye-opening. It's like, oh, none of his parents went to college or 
only his grandparents went to college. His parents didn't do that. He's been living with his grandparents. Or his dad has just inherited a business and he's been doing that. At Hampton, you see that a lot. It's a lot more common there. And so you're heading there in, actually, tomorrow. Yeah. You're heading there tomorrow. Tomorrow. What are you looking forward to being the first week? I mean, obviously, you, you spent five weeks there. So you know the campus, so that part is done. I mean, what, what else are you looking forward to? Basically, I'm trying to get at the ladies, Max. What's going on there? <laughs> let's, let's get real about this, Max. You're away from home. What, what are you looking forward to? The sisters. Let's, let's talk us real here. I mean, I, the ratio there is 16 to 1. So, <laughs> Women to men? Yes. Get the hell out of here. Is it that? Yeah. So, gentlemen, if you're listening and you're a junior in high school, Hampton. When you're in this particular situation, you count yourself fortunate in multiple levels yeah. because oh, yeah, you're picking it, it's Honestly, I think just... Dudes want to go to Howard because it's in the hood and they think that's cool, but girls aren't trying to go to Howard. Like that, no. Because <laughs> the ratio in Howard is, is is the other way. It's closer. It, it, it's more even there, Howard, where it's like it's two to one, which is still good, but it's just not. It's not sixteen to one. Yeah, right. I think it goes Hampton, Morehouse, and Spelman are like kind of on the same level. Then Howard, then Clark. So do you have a picture of, like when I was about your age, for me it was a, there was a TV show, Different World, mm -hmm. which gave me sort of an idea. So is there for you right now a, a picture of black college life? Movie, I, TV show, book, something? I mean, not not really, because there's no one really talks about HBCUs. And the only thing that's been, been close is they did some movie about fraternities. I, I just had to go see it to believe it, and then they do like a big program at Hampton. Where like when you first get there, you're assigned one, but once you really get there, you start to meet people with similar interests. Seniors would kind of just pick you out and like, okay, I like you. I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna look out for you. And then depending on how good your big is, kind of depends how good your first. So let's be clear, like. So there's a, sort of inlaid in the system a mentorship from the minute you get there. Yeah. So when I first went there for, I went for honors visitation weekend, which is where all the kids who want to get into the honors college, you have to submit an application, so on and so forth. And then when you first get there, you're assigned. But then, as kind of like the days go on, you you really get picked up by people who you know, interest because they can't really turn. It's kind of random. Mm -hmm. But I met all of my bigs that weekend. I mean, they're well-rounded folks. They're they're culturally aware. They're smart individuals who have similar interests as me, and like, it's like kind of I've never had a big brother, so I don't know what it's like. But I imagine this is what it is. To where like you can have cool conversations with them, you know that they'll look out for you. Or if there's things you don't know on campus. They'll make sure like you're not, you know, you're not in any trouble. It's pressing you about something stupid like that. Mm -hmm. When you have big brothers who are very in the community, well known, like that doesn't happen. You said you never had a big brother, but you've been one. You have a brother who's mm. ten, so about seven years younger than you. Mm. Um, what does he feel about this transition? I mean, he he'll miss me when I'm gone, and then he'll enjoy me like the first two days I'm here, and then after that it's just. But do you feel like you're sort of paving a path for him? Do you feel that responsibility or or the age gap is so different? I mean, it's just a, a, it's going to be a different time when he gets to be 17. 
I, I want to be an example of you can do whatever you want mm-hmm. in like an edu- in like an academic sense. There's there's nothing you can't accomplish and there's nothing that you, you can't do really when you put your mind to things. Because I can tell now he was going to be like really artistic. Like I, I like arts and I like fashion. He's really into, and I, I was never like that. I didn't try to become more cultured until like two, three years ago. He he loves it. He loves it all. And that's I can tell that's what he's going to want to do. Doing something like that isn't very conventional. He might think, oh, I got to get a real job. I can't I can't be a painter. I can't be an artist. I can't do this. I can't do that. And I want to do journalism. I want to do specifically like music journalism, which isn't very conventional. And it's not very... People want to be, oh, I want to be a lawyer, a doctor, blah, blah, blah. Like, Certified public accountant. I mean, that boring stuff over there. You know what I'm saying? All that. No, but like, I mean, for, for him, it's different <laughs> because uh, Pop-Pop worked at Acme and was in, in, was in the Army. I don't remember where. So just to be, to have the lower aspiration is, is something completely different, kind of out of the world. And then he did it. But, you know, to him, that, to, to Jackson, that might look like, because he's surrounded by people who have similar parents like ours. It's like, oh, I got to get, like, a real job. Like, no, dude, like, you can be... You can be a you can be a painter. Go to art school. Do that. Like, and I want to show him that I, I could probably do lawyer. I could probably be a lawyer. I could probably go through that process, and I might just depending on how journalism works out for me. You don't have to be anything that anybody tells you. You do what you want to do, and you do whatever makes you happy. This is the world. I have been through a whole lot. Trial tribulation, but I know God. Satan wanna put me in a bow tie. Pray that the holy water don't go dry. Yeah, yeah. As I look around me, so many motherfuckers wanna tell me, but they don't make never tell me. In front of a dirty double mirror, they tell me, and I love myself. The world is a Paranoia haunt you. Peace to fashion, police, I wear my heart. On my sleeve, let the runway start. You know the miserable do love company. What do you want from me and my scars? Everybody lack confidence. Everybody lack confidence. How many times my potential was anonymous? How many times the city making me promises? So I promise this. I love myself. The world is a We're on Ubuntu Radio right now talking to uh, Dennis and Max Barnes, 17-year-old young man. I'm getting ready to head to Hampton University tomorrow. You said you you started getting, and the word you used was cultured, like a couple of years ago. What were you before then? What would you describe yourself as before then? I was a follower. Looking back, whatever I saw other people wear, I was like, okay, I'm gonna just go get, I'm gonna just go get as much as that. I think. If I saw my friend, oh my, oh my friend shops at Zoomies now. My friend thinks. I, I I was never I wasn't into skateboarding yet, but I just saw like oh he's wearing skateboard tees, let me go get. And I, and I wasn't really think I wasn't really dressing and thinking for myself. I was dressing like okay this is how you fit in. This is how. And this is in Massachusetts school. or at this point this is where? This was still in New Jersey. Okay. When I was dressing like that in the middle school, very beginnings of high school, I didn't really know what I liked in terms of dressing. It's kind of like, okay, he liked it, I'm gonna like it. So do you think fashion follows the individual or you had to get to a specific point in yourself where you went, you know what? Rather than, you know, I'm gonna go to Zoomies, and that might be me. I'm gonna go to Abercrombie, I don't know if that even still exists. Abercrombie. Yeah, I, used to, I used to dress at Abercrombie, I used to thought that was cool. And you were buying all this, I'm assuming. 
And what was your take on all this? Ah, this is teenage stuff. He'll get out of this and eventually. Because yeah. I did that with my son. I'd watch my son. Okay, okay. You want this thing? But I know in five weeks you're not going to be using this thing. But I have to buy it anyway. You know what I'm saying? So was it like that? Like you were waiting for that moment where yes, Max goes, you know what? This is me. I'm cool with me right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, from a fashion kind of deal, you know, my, my approach has always been, you know, I'm not going to try to take him down a path. But, you know, it's interesting to listen to him talk because he's right. And I, I'm, I was a little surprised that he was being so honest about it. Well, it's the interview, Dennis. Yeah. It's the interview. It's the interview. Well, clearly, I mean, of course. It's, it's of course. But, um, but when he was younger, he really was a follower, which always concerned me because now as a parent, you have to... You have a choice to make. I know that I have, you know, a child who who follows, and so so what do I do? Do I control his environment so that you know there's there's only good to follow, or do I give him the space to make his own choices? And we struggled with that. I have to be honest myself. You know, I, I struggled with that. But you know, over the years, he did make a transition, and he is clearly an individual. He does have his own approach, his own thought process. I think I got more right as a father than I got wrong. I got plenty wrong, but the one thing that I do feel like I did get right, it was important for me that he become his own person. I, I'm very happy with who I am. I don't need another me. You know, I want him to figure out who he is so that he can be happy, do whatever it is that he's gonna do. He's there. Unfortunately, he's got among the most expensive tastes of any <laughs> person I've ever known. So we're talking couture? Or are we talking uh, it's ridiculous. the Kanye $3,000 Yeezys and all I, that I, stuff? I have a pair of Yeezys. He's got a pair of Yeezys. My son talks about the fakes. Are we talking about the fakes? The Feezys? Oh, no. I, mine, mine are real. Okay. I got my shirts. He's very particular about that. Very particular. All the models to the floor right now. 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 Christian Dior with a Veronica Webb No Amy Lennox and El Cecily Lopez Alina Sosa, Salida E. Banksy Who up on my beat to speak that Jordan Dunn language Make a phone call out to John Smalls I wonder how it feel and lower stones walls Jessica Jones, y'all, I would damage her And see if Jessica Stam got the stamina I'm in the car with Leo in the Ben Swerve I heard Bob was friends with Effie Ginsburg Coco Rocha, Kate Mimosa, Alessandra Ambrosia Andre Rubik and Olga Curry Lingo, tell her I'm very single Abby Lee too, I'm a freak boo I'm wildin', I'm on a thousand I wanna see Irina shake next to Dowson One thing that I was around your age and I struggled with, I think, being comfortable being an individual, but more so being a young male individual because it seemed like everybody was defining, you know what I mean? I was a athlete, so black athletes act a certain way. I was a student and kind of like you, I was always in those top classes. Well, that seemed like an anomaly. And then you mix the two, well, you have an athlete and then you have a smart guy. But then you also have a smart guy, but he's into art and all that stuff. So obviously I think you, you struggled with it, but now you're comfortable with it in that process of being, of saying, 
I am all these things and it's okay to be all these things. I think there's a lot of young brothers specifically who have the potential to be a great many things. We're among the, we're among the most talented and gifted folks God has ever made. Like somebody like a Donald Glover. God, the guy does everything. The guy does, I don't see... Comedy, acting. Everything. R&B, rap. Like, yeah. Everything, right? And I think that potential is in all of us. And now with internet and social media, we have avenues to kind of explore and kind of... Even Kanye, man. Kanye's a... I don't care what anybody says. The guy's a genius. He's crazy. Thank you. But he's a genius. What's wrong with you, Dennis? He, I say that all the time. He always makes that face. Mm-hmm. You don't like There's him. There's a public persona that you have to do to kind of stay relevant. You may not like him as a person, but the you, art can't, is you can't the, deny his art. The art is... Maybe that's a different subject. The I, art I is can talk about him. I can talk about him all day. I just, I just I can do that too, but we won't. We, 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 we won't. No, no, but the question is, in terms of being able to be comfortable with all these things, journalist, artist, athlete, all these things, was it difficult? Because at some point I would question, like, if I do this, then they wouldn't accept me as this. If I do this, then they wouldn't accept me as that. Was that something consciously in your head? All of my black friends, when I went to a private school, they were all athletes. Cause they were almost, a few of them were recruited, but a lot of them, like, like their goal was to play. Like, I'm going to be a varsity athlete. I'm going to play in college, blah, blah, blah. And I tried to fit in with that like that. When I got to Massachusetts, they had made assumptions about me just because I'm black. Right. And it's like, you gotta, how many black kids do you know that are into fashion? Who, like, how many black kids do you know that watch runway shows? How many, it, it's a, it's a weird thing. It seemed like a weird thing at first. It's like, oh, am I just weird? Like, am I just weird? Mm-hmm. But then, like, around 11th, I just stopped caring what people think. I, I really just didn't care anymore. Because at that point, it was like, I'm not dressing for you. You're not going to accept me either way. So why am I going to put on a facade to try to please you when it's not going to work at all? So I'm going to just dress how I feel comfortable. At that point, I stopped just copying what I saw from people that I like, I started to see what they did and then try to apply that to myself. For example? Some of the brands that I'm really into, uh, higher end streetwear brands, Raph Simmons. No uh, idea. Uh, Supreme. No idea. Palace. No idea. Kanye West. Okay. Just just stuff like that. And I looked at people like Kanye, was like, okay, I could, I could go to the mall and just build that same outfit and have a few things different because I can't afford a $3,000 jacket, but I can, I can get that similar look hmm. and just, you know, be like, oh, I'm just a Kanye, I'm just a Kanye dude. But at that point, it's like, okay, what, what is he doing with his colors? What is he doing with the way he's putting it together? What is, what type of style is it? And how can that, I, I apply that to myself. So at that, that's when I started to, you know, develop my own type of style. And then that's when I got deeper and deeper into stuff. The color palette they're doing, like, okay, let's see what in, what in my closet I can do with that. Okay. So I, some people, I like, I really like pastels. So instead of just buying the same two or three shirts I see other like famous people wear, like, why don't I find something that's a little, you know, out of the norm and just build something with that? And so then I still have that pastel color aesthetic that I like, but I'm not just blatantly copying. So I'm not so much of a follower, more I'm taking inspiration from different things that I see that I like. What has the reaction from friends been like? Like from friends and people that you're close to in terms of you expressing you? I mean, like, they'll, they'll make jokes, just kind of just, you know, whatever. At Hampton, 
a lot more more people are like that, and I surround people who are like that. So my roommate and our fellow I mentioned Austin, he's he's they're both like that. When I was in Boston, it's like, why'd you buy a hundred dollar sweatpants that aren't even Nike? I'm not. I don't want to wear Nike. Everybody has Nike. Everybody sees that. Why be like everybody else? Why not be something different? Why not? So I'll I'll go out and I'll buy the Bianca Shadon sweatpants. Bianca what? I'll go out and get that or. Uh, this brand that I'm wearing now, Palace, they're based out of London. I'll get the London skate brand t-shirts. I'll wear the Raph Simmons. I'll get stuff like, I'll wear Supreme. It, it's just different. They'd be like, oh, why are you spending that much on a shirt? Why are you spending that much on some slides? Why are you spending that much on some shoes? Like, because it's different and I like the way they look. I, I, it's not for you. It's for me. You can like it or you can dislike it. It has no effect on me. One, it's it mostly dudes who criticize the way I dress. It's like, I'm not dressing for you. Right. <laughs> If I'm dressing for anybody, it definitely isn't you. Correct. Out of everybody. I could care less what a dude thinks. You, you could clown my outfit all day. The fact that I get girls. Now we're going to get back to that. Because I asked that question earlier. What are the expectations for the ladies? Because you're dealing with a higher caliber of ladies at Hampton. Ladies who obviously graduated high school. They want to be at an HBCU. They're good enough to get into what you think is one of the most challenging HBCUs to get in. So what are the expectations, you think? looking forward to the next six months of your life. I'm racked up like rappers. I'm wrapped up on camera. Get knocked out on camera. Squeeze pump like asthma. It's rare wrath when I wear wrath. Bear wrath when I wear wrath. Might invest into some rap shit. Little niggas still shit wrath. And I'm dripping on rags. Rick going be the tag. Do the digital dash. Yeah, I'm boasting never brag. Please don't touch my rap. Oh, the Chris Finn Nash. Alessandra Gucci glasses. W Anderson. Yeah, she pop it like a Mac. Yeah, she drop it on the bag. I'ma buy another bag. Cause she always bring it back. Yeah, you know how to make it last. Plus a nigga keeping tabs. I'ma fly first class. Quavo hit him with the dab. Please don't touch my rap. I've never been around that many black women in my life. That's my point. Gotta, gotta say I'm a fan. <laughs> what does that mean? You're a fan. It's weird going from being surrounded by nothing but white girls to be surrounded by nothing but black girls. Have you ever dated a black woman? Let's get to that. Is that something you're, you have any issues with? Not issues, but since it's an unknown, I mean, anytime you go into the unknown, there's fear there in a, in a sense. That's something that you're, a women are women. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm down for the experience and just thinking about it now, like, look, just like, Purely, I know that's all. It's not all looks, but just purely based off what looks, I could only really deal with a black. What held you back? Just availability in high school, or? Yeah, there were like two yeah. in my in my school. Two. Two. Of a school of how many? At least a thousand. Two. This was at my uh, first school, but then when we moved, I decided to come with the family. And then I went to a public school in Massachusetts, and even there, it was even more white there. There were literally oh, two. Wow. One of them was weird and she only liked white guys, which I, I don't get, but to each their own. And the other one had a boyfriend the whole time. So then besides the the physical blessings of the black woman that I can envision in my head right now, what else are you looking forward to? It, in it, terms of the sisters. I'm giving you a chance now to win some sisters before you even get there. Do you understand what I'm giving you? You you outlay the beauty of the black woman on this podcast. You say, baby, listen to this podcast. And she will know before you even get there. Oh, he's a sensitive. That's Max, the sensitive guy. He likes his sisters. So what do you enjoy? What are you looking forward to about the black woman? I enjoy the conversation aspect to where, like, we can have a real talk about, or we can have a real talk about what's going on. And I don't have to, like, I don't have to be on the offensive to where I, or, like, I have to defend something that I like because you don't. It's like, oh, we, like, legitimately have similar interests, or you're not just saying you like this because you say you like this. 
or where like girls have put me have put me on to music that I that I love. I just, I enjoy that aspect of it and just they're more down to earth and I can have similar experiences, but we have more similar experiences. Because a lot of girls from Hampton do come from PWI high schools. Okay. So we have that in common. It's just a more, it's a better overall experience. is like at, at all whites was like okay you're the only black dude who's there but then when i go to hampton it's like oh he's the six foot blue-eyed light-skinned kid who can dress like that's not common right. i found out and that is that is something that's very appealing to black women Your team lights again. You're gonna be in a, a different team there. What do you get to happen? Go in a different yeah. team. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's one of the things that I try to prepare him for, which is you are going to an HBCU. Yes, you can let your hair down. You can be yourself. You can, you know, really explore who you are, who you want to be, who you're gonna be. But make no mistake about it. Our community, you know, we we got some right. shit with us, right. and we're not homogenous right. by any any yeah. stretch. You know, there's as many different factions of uh, within our black community as there are outside of our community. And so, you know, I'm interested to see how he handles, you know, black people who are not going to like him because he's light. Right. Black people who's not going to like him because he's smart. Black people who's not going to like him because he didn't grow up in the hood. There are going to be subsections of black people who are not going to like you, aspects of your life that you absolutely cannot control, which sounds a lot like racism. I mean, it's not in and of itself racism, but it functions and the mechanics of it are virtually the same. All right, so we're going to wrap up um, our interview today on Ubuntu Radio with Max uh, and, and Dennis Barnes. But we're not going to forget, uh, have to, I mean, we're not going to talk about it long, but I know you have some specific comments about this week, Dennis. And your son is about to head to the state of Virginia. And we know last Saturday in the state of Virginia, Charlottesville, near the University of uh, Virginia, that... Um, some friendly Nazis and friendly white supremacists oh, yeah, were also there. Yeah. 
And there was violence on both sides, as 45 has said. So your son is about to go into that area. I don't know how far you know, Hampton is from, from Charlottesville, but it's Virginia. So what, what are your thoughts as a father to a son? You've seen him grow up under Obama. Like I watched my son grow up under Obama and he knew nothing else. Yeah. And then we see this and we see things that, I mean, you're a little bit older than me, but we see things that your generation, my generation thought, I thought we went through this already. I thought we marched about this stuff already. Yeah, well, you know, as a father, you, you fear teach. for him. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, the overwhelming feeling, and it's, and it's not fear of them or what they bring to the table. It's fear of, you know, not having control of the situation. Because I know how to keep myself safe. And I know that I've tried to teach him how to keep himself safe. Now, the rubber's about to meet the road and he's gonna to have to apply what I've tried to share with him. You've prepared your young chick to fly off, but it doesn't make you any more comfortable to know that he's, he's now about to fly into an area where there's gonna be people shooting. It's an uncomfortable feeling, but I, but I do feel like I, I feel a lot more comfortable by the fact that he's going to an HBCU where, where I am supremely confident that not only are his friends and his homies gonna look out for him, the administration is gonna be looking out for him, you know, all the folks who, who are part of the Hampton campus are going to be looking out for him. And quite frankly, they're all going to be looking out for each other. Mm -hmm. Their own interest in their own safety is going to envelop him and then provide safety for him. What do you think about what your dad said? What do you think about Charlottesville last Saturday? You're going to be, you know, two and a half hours from that area. Is this sort of direct racism? Is, is, is it something that's ever happened to you personally? I mean, I've been followed around in stores kind of just passive racism. I've, I've never met someone who's just like, I've never met someone, I've never met a skinhead or anything <laughs> yeah. like that to where like they're just blatantly like, I don't like it. But I mean, I, I generally have an idea of how to maneuver the world. I don't I don't go anywhere by myself. I don't go anywhere without people that I trust. I always tell people where I'm going. So somebody, somebody who's not with me always knows where I'm going before gotcha. I go somewhere. That's just general things I've picked up. You know, with Charlottesville, it's almost not even that shocking. To, to be real, but like, they just need to stop playing with us because my generation is not really with it. You're gonna see some niggas out there who are not really with all that, you know, white supremacy. You're not gonna say the N word in front of me and then think you could just, and you can have your friends, you know, your, your little whatever, but then just just know we're gonna have ours too. And, and on, on the one hand, I hear that and I think to myself, that's me in there from the days from when I grew up. And then and then part of me hears that and, and, and I and I say to my and I think to myself, let's not let's not go down the path of, of testing to see who's tougher, you know, them or us. Well at the same time, you know, at the end of the day, as 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 people, you know, test one another, every man's got his got his breaking point. You know, every man. Uh, even even the weakest among us has a breaking point at what at which time it's time to get down and you're right. just going to take the loss whatever loss is coming my way I'm, that, that's going to be ha going to have to be the loss I take but you know whatever loss I take you're going to know you was in one you're going to know you're going to know you was in a fight so this all goes to him defining who he is and I don't want to pull him back from that he needs to figure out who he is I know who I am I don't need him to be me and he's gonna deal with things 
in his way. And, you know, he's getting closer and closer to the age where I need to take a step back and let him do it his way. He knows when that time is coming. When you can pay for yourself, you can make, <laughs> you can make all your own decisions. We're getting closer and closer to that, to that time. But, you know, I, I see all this, this nastiness and this foolishness and this ugliness. You know, there's ugliness in the world. There, there always has been ugly, ugliness in the world. There always will be ugliness in the world. I think the thing that, that I want from my son and for his, his, his homies and his whole generation to understand is that we don't have to define ourselves by the ugliness. You know, Charlottesville was magnified. But when you take a step back and look at the bigger picture, the more impressive thing to me is how repulsed most of America was by right. that display. I'm rest assured that less than 10% of our population applauded that nonsense. 90% of us looked at that and said, that's, that, that's craziness, that's bullshit, that's not who we are. As a country, that's not who we are. We could disagree about this and that and policy and Affordable Care Act and who, who's going to pay for what. We could, we could disagree about all of that. But at the end of the day, that ugliness, that's not who we are as a country. I just hope that their generation don't see that and then start to say to themselves, okay, I got to prepare myself for something that, you know, is, is broader than it, you know, than it truly is. And we'll, we'll, we'll let you get the last word here. Your dad mentioned that, I guess, the fight, your willingness to stand up to this sort of blatant racism and whatever else is out there waiting for you. He said he basically sees himself in that part of you. Are there things that you know you're taking the Hampton that are clearly your dad? You're serious for a minute. He's always told me, you know, don't go looking for fights, but if somebody touches you, all bets are off, just go ahead, do, do you. Don't let nobody touch you. Which is what, which is how I take a lot of things like, you know, you could say whatever you want, whatever, but the minute you, you put your hands on me, unless, like it's, unless it's like a police officer, but like no regular person's gonna put their hands on me. I, I just can't do it. But he, he's also always told me like, watch you keep around you or circle small because people will try to take advantage of you and people will just try to use take what you have so at first i was like yeah whatever i'll just yeah okay yeah, you don't like my friends i don't care whatever but now it's but now it's more like okay yeah i i do see it like i don't i gotta keep my circle small to protect what i have I, I don't trust everybody you know not everybody has their has my best interest in mind so I'm very selective about who I let into my space mm. and who I like to see, I let them see like, you know, not in like a flaunting matter, just like to see what I have and just like, just be aware of it. Like, you know, you can come, you can come through, use our TV, use our speakers whenever you want. But like the minute I feel that I don't trust you and I don't like, I don't feel my possessions safe around you or like, or my well being around you. I, there's, there's something about certain people where like, I, and I think I get that from him. We can end on that. I think we had uh, white supremacists and Nazis in Charlottesville last Saturday. We know they exist in the White House, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. We know they're all over this country. But I think the one thing that we sometimes fail, and there is no alt left, 
the only alternative is the supremacy of the black family, and that's the one thing I hear here. A certain tightness, a certain closeness that's evident in the way you talk, in the way you guys bounce ideas, sort of the same ideas back and forth from each other to each other. The only fight out there really is to keep that strength so that when young brothers like Max leave and go on to the world and try to matriculate into life, that they have that strength. Dennis from his wife, from his, uh, your younger brother, the grandfathers that you mentioned, names. I, can't, I don't remember the names right now, but you mentioned a couple grandparents who've also taught you. So how do we combat white supremacy with black supremacy? That's not violence, it's the love of the black family. So I hear that here. Max, good luck to you, bro. Uh, might have to come to Hampton if it's 16 to 1. I might have to come there for homecoming, dude. <laughs> just to see, just to see for myself, yeah. just to see, just to see. It's a different world out there, but sounds like you're ready for it, man. So, and hopefully we can continue this conversation of episodes of Ubuntu Radio. I haven't forgotten, Dennis. We got to still do our thing. Look, 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 brown liquor. Look out for the brown liquor chronicles coming later on this fall. Ubuntu Radio is out. <laughs>